Hello and welcome to another episode of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Yes, I am your host, Ben Standig, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic, which means I've spent the last couple of days focused on free agency and not doing a ton. The Washington Commanders haven't been particularly active, but today was a bit of a busy day. J.D. McKissick exits for Buffalo, but Bobby McCain stays. We'll get to all of that, some intrigue with the J.D. McKissick aspect uh, and more, uh, but we are also going to talk a lot today about Carson Wentz joining me on the podcast. Zach Berman, one of our Eagles insiders for The Athletic, he obviously was around Carson Wentz a ton. We spoke last week with Zach Kiefer, who covers the Colts and had a really good uh, view of what went wrong in Indianapolis. Zach has a longer view, having covered Carson Wentz for several years and was the first team to to decide to move on, but it was also where Carson Wentz had his most success. So talk to Zach about what was good, what worked, kind of where things fell apart, what would he think about uh, Washington adding a rookie quarterback, having known that Carson Wentz had some issues when Philadelphia drafted Jalen Hurts, that and a bunch more with Zach Berman from The Athletic on Carson Wentz. So we'll get to all that in a moment here on the Standard Room Only podcast. Of course, make sure you subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. And if you do, I encourage you or or would ask to take a couple seconds to drop a rating and a review. Uh, It it really does help a lot. Um, We've had some good success here lately on the podcast, um, but there's always more room to grow. And you guys that... I really appreciate the, the the positive response, everybody listening and downloading, and uh, not just here, but you know the whole community uh, with the podcasters who who do uh, cover this team. Because obviously, you know, there's a lot of us out there, but uh, I pretty much know everybody involved, and uh, you know, all good people. But I appreciate everybody checking out this podcast for sure. Uh, and of course, make sure you subscribe to the Athletic if you haven't already. I believe the deal still is, if you go through the web, it's $1 a month for six months. Click on one of my articles, including my one that's up right now about uh, J.D. McKissick and Bobby McCain, and uh, you can get that deal. All right, let's just go through some quick things here, though, before we get to my conversation with Zach. On the positive side, Washington did get on the board today. Bobby McCain stays. Now, uh, when I say get on the board, they have not signed an outside free agent yet. I'm talking to you at about 9 o'clock. On uh, Tuesday night, so obviously things could change any minute. But as of this point, nothing has changed. So Bobby McCain, though, two years, eleven million dollars. He he's gonna stay. Uh, look, I think Bobby McCain was solid last year. He he clearly was a Ron Rivera favorite pretty early on, before the season even started. When I asked Ron Rivera during a one on one. Something to the effect of, you know, who's somebody that's kind of, you know, kind of a bit under the radar for him, for 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 everybody. And Bobby McCain was who he picked. He was a stable presence, I thought, in the secondary, especially at a position that Washington has had struggles with over time. Um, he stays. And look, I think I thought that safety was a, potentially a spot they would spend on. The reality is the safety market is pretty expensive. Guys like Marcus Williams who went from the Saints to the Ravens, got a ton of money. So I get why they stayed with McCain. You know, now you have McCain, Cam Curl, Kendall Fuller, William Jackson. Like, they're pretty much locked in, we would think. For those four guys coming back, 
Landon Collins is gone, but they'll have to, uh, you know, replace him with a cheaper uh, player or, or a different type of player. We already kind of knew that was going to happen. So uh, Bobby McCain stays. There's that. On the flip side, just before that, we, we found out that J.D. McKissick is headed to Buffalo. Two years, $7 million with a max of eight. So not huge money, but more than double the total value of what he got when he signed here in 2020. Now, obviously, J.D. McKissick has been a, a fun player since he arrived. 80 catches his first year. He, he finished second on the team last year in receiving yards behind Terry McLaurin, even though he missed the last, what, six games because of a neck injury. Washington has said all offseason that they wanted to keep J.D. McKissick, and I was told that on the side as well. So I believe it that they did. That said, it didn't happen. And this is where there's some confusion. I would just say, I don't want to step on my own story too much, but if you go check it out on The Athletic, I would just say the basic gist is that Washington did not, it appears Washington did not make J.D. McKissick an actual offer up until the point of McKissick talking to the Bills with Washington thinking there would be an opportunity for them to circle back. But when given the, given the chance to test the market, JD McKissick did and ultimately land with, you know, one of the true contenders in this league. So good for JD McKissick to, to, to get a new spot. He's going to have presumably a lot of fun playing with a high powered bills offense. that definitely has a real chance to be in the super bowl. Um, and for Washington, regardless of what happened again, I take go check out the story. Regardless of what happened, they're down a running back. And I've been telling you guys for a while that my sense was that Washington wanted to add another running back regardless of whether McKissick stayed or not. This is in part because I think they want to help keep Antonio Gibson as fresh as possible throughout the course of a season, and they really just didn't have somebody else who could run between the tackles. Now, that's not really J.D. McKissick's strength, but obviously... You know, he he is a big help in the passing game. That said, I think they want to get Antonio Gibson a bit more involved as a receiver. And Curtis Samuel, yes, we can insert the jokes here about him staying healthy, but Curtis Samuel, he can do a lot of the same thing as J.D. McKissick. It's one of the reasons I questioned the Samuel signing in the first place because it felt like a bit of an overlap. He can line up in the backfield, the slot, move outside, what have you. So if they, between Gibson, Samuel, they obviously still need more though. Uh, You know, I think they could sign a veteran running back. The high end guy right now would be like a Leonard Fournette. I think that would probably be a bit excessive, but not to mention expensive. Whereas like say a Ronald Jones, Fournette's partner in Tampa Bay, I think could make some sense. I I think I've heard some questions about, um, you know, his, how quickly basically, um, Will he be able to adjust to a new system? But he could run between the tackles. He's effective there. And there's also the draft, of course. This is not a draft where it's considered to be top top talent, but good talent all the way through the draft. We talked about this last week with uh, Trevor Sikama from Pro Football Focus. You can go check that podcast out. I had a bunch of podcasts last week. Uh, we talked about the running backs and some guys that he liked. So I think that's kind of where Washington's at. I'm not saying they let McKissick go. I would just say to a degree, we're perhaps overblowing it a bit much, the importance. There isn't a lot else going on right now, obviously, with this team. Regardless, 
it's a blow, and I think it's probably a bigger blow, frankly, to the locker room. J.D. McKissick was a very popular guy with the players on both sides of the ball. It's, it's funny how often the defensive players would come talk to the media about how annoying J.D. McKissick was, but in the playful, brothery kind of way, that he's a talk, big talker out there. So I think he's going to be missed in the locker room. And until we know for sure what, what's going to happen, he'll be missed on the field as well. Just uh, let's see a couple other quick notes. So as we know, Brandon Scherf, he left, signed a huge deal with Jacksonville. No surprise there. 16 and a half million annual average salary over three years. He's got the highest annual average salary though. Uh, now for that. Yes, he was the highest paid last year. But that was for one year, three years, multi-year is different. He's still the highest. I thought he might get more years, but, you know, it's good money uh, regardless. And uh, Brandon Sheriff is gone. Again, we kind of knew that was going to happen. Presumably, Wes Schweitzer is the replacement at this point, but we'll see what happens. Um, Tim Settle also left. He also signed with Buffalo. A nice value deal there for the Bills. I think Tim Settle is going to be a fun player to watch over the next couple of years. You've heard me say this many times. I kind of feel like Washington should be exploring the idea of trading one of their defensive linemen, not because they're not good players, but it's an expensive, it's it's ultimately going to be expensive if they're going to maintain these guys, extend them all. They've already extended John Allen. Deron Payne is up this year, or he plays out his contract uh, and enters for agency in 2023, plus Montez Sweat, Chase Young. If you were going to do something with Deron Payne, though, my thought would be, well, then you want to make sure you bring back Tim Settle. That's uh, that's out the door. He's gone. So uh, good to Tim Settle. He'll know J.D. McKissick in Buffalo for sure. Beyond that, you know, it's just been some minor moves. So Troy Apke stays to help special teams. Tyler Larson, uh, backup center to Troy, uh, sorry, to uh, Chase Ruye. Uh, both of those guys are coming off injuries. Ch- Chase Ruye, um, I reported, is working his way back. And the hope is he'll be ready for training camp for the start of it, but we'll see how that goes. Um, so there's that. They also uh, picked up the tender for exclusive rights free agent kicker Brian Johnson, which is, of course, you know, he played a little bit in between the point when Joey Sly showed up. So at a minimum, it looks like they're going to probably have two kickers this summer. Okay. Uh, but Joey Sly, nothing yet there, I've been told. It, still sort of in some sort of a limbo. So we'll see where that is. I would logically think Joey Sly stays, but there is a kicker on the roster, if nothing else. And they did pick up some of their ex- other exclusive rights, free agents, including a guy like Bunby Routini, who made some nice plays down the stretch. Keith Ishmael, uh, who started the last five games at center. He is there as well. Uh, last note here on this, Mitch Trubisky, you know him. He signed a, a two-year deal with Pittsburgh, Roughly $14 million with uh, an upside of $27 million. Obviously, we've been waiting to see what would happen with him because of the fact that that was the guy we kept talking about a lot here, about Washington, Mitch Trubisky coming here. I still believe that was part of the consideration. And I want to get into more of this down the line. And honestly, I'm not 100% sure how much Zach and I talked about this. We recorded our, our, our conversation on Friday. But... What is notable is not so much the money. The money is in line with kind of what I was thinking. I think originally I was talking about like seven, seven and a half. Thought it could maybe go up to where Fitzpatrick was last year at 10, but ultimately settles in sort of at the low end of that kind of like stopgap kind of guy. 
The question is, he picked Pittsburgh. Obviously, Pittsburgh is a pretty good organization, right? Would he have, if all things being equal, does he pick in Pittsburgh over Washington? And I think, as the more I look at the lay of the land, I think when you see Trubisky going to Pittsburgh, when you see that Teddy Bridgewater signed to be a backup quarterback with Miami, six and a half million. In other words, he could not secure a a job, or at least at least their presumption would be, even as other teams are sort of playing around with, with possibly getting Deshaun Watson, and some of those teams won't, that there just was not a real market for him to start. It tells me that Washington, I think, feared Trubisky would go to Pittsburgh, that Carson Wentz, if not traded, might wait might be waiting around to see which team doesn't get Deshaun Watson. And then Washington is sort of stuck with kind of not a ton of options I guess liked. And thus they made the move for Carson Wentz. Now I'm going to explore this more or later, but I, I just wanted to sort of put that note with regards to Trubisky. It's not to say that uh, he would or wouldn't have come here, but I do kind of get the vibe if Pittsburgh and Washington were sort of on equal ground that he goes there and Washington may have had a sense of that going into the Carson Wentz trade. Um, all right. But that's it for now. Expect another podcast this week. If you missed the podcast that I did on Monday uh, with Brad Spielberger, it's still, I think, applicable. We talked a lot about the salary cap and some moves that Washington could make, potentially on the side or on on, on the lowdown, I should say, because they don't have a ton of cap space. Um, That all still applies. They still need a Mike linebacker. I mentioned running back, arguably another receiver. Maybe guard, maybe not. Maybe they need to add a, a, def- a replacement defensive tackle for Tim Settle now. There's some moves to make. We'll see more uh, later in the week what they do. But for right now, let's get into my conversation with Zach Berman, one of our Philadelphia Eagles insiders for The Athletic, talking all things Carson Wentz, the guy who, no matter, almost no matter what else Washington does this offseason, is going to be what we're all focused on going forward this year. So here we go. Myself, Zach Berman, talking Carson Wentz here on the Standard Room Only podcast. All right. As promised, joining me here on the podcast to discuss a man he covered for several years on the Philadelphia Eagles. Yes, we're talking about Carson Wentz, but here to discuss Carson Wentz is the great Zach Berman, my Eagles colleague with The Athletic. And, uh, I guess it's Zach. It's Carson Wentz week, and it's Zach week. I had Zach Kiefer on the other day because his team, the Colts, just traded Wentz here. Now I got Zach Berman talking about Wentz as well. Maybe there's a coincidence there. Maybe this is the uh, maybe having a Ben on the beat will will make things better for Carson Wentz. What do we think about that? I'm very happy to follow in Zach Kiefer's footsteps. Right. So anytime, anytime I can be associated with Zach Kiefer, that's a good thing. Um, it is. Uh, so. Yeah, man. So I wanted to have you on because you, you know, obviously the Colts situation was the most recent one, but the Eagle situation with with uh, Carson Wentz was the longer term one, and it really got the ball rolling uh, because they're the ones who took the largest salary cap hit in history to trade him to the Colts, and ultimately, you know, it looks like it's worked out for the Eagles. They get a number one pick out of the deal and, and a third, and you know, they, they they've kind of moved on. But I wanted to, you know, sort of help for the audience to get a you know better feel for what went on here. Um, I, I guess just before we even get into anything specific, where, where are you at right now on, on sort of the Carson Wentz experience from the outside? What was it like to sort of watch how things unfolded, knowing what you, you know, knew about him? 
I thought it was going to last more than a year in Indianapolis, knowing the way Frank Reich thought about him. And frankly, I, I thought there's, there's, there's enough talent there in Carson's body to make it work. Right. And so, and, we, and when you look at the production and you say, well, it wasn't horrible, but it should have been better. The way the season ended was obviously problematic. And the fact that they're willing to move on after one year, given the investment that they've made and the fact that two teams now have traded him in the course of a year, uh, that, that says something about Carson. And I, 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 I think that's something Carson needs to look at. Why has this happened twice? Now, the circumstances in Philadelphia were different than the circumstances in Indianapolis. And, and I should say, not being around the Colts, I don't know the specifics there. In Philadelphia, he he wanted to leave, right? I I, I think the Eagles were hoping to make that work. Uh, they 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 weren't going around the building when they traded him, giving high fives away. Like they they it was it was not a happy day when they had to trade a guy who they who they literally made the face of the franchise. Uh, but the fact that 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 they've moved on, they made the playoffs last season. They have a first round pick. Now the Colts moved on without really a successor in place. Uh, yeah, I, I think that that is fairly eye-opening. To say the least. I mean, you know, being the now the third team, you know, covering the third team to get him. And it's, you know, it would be fun to sit here and say, you know what, look, Carson Wentz, when he is on, he looks really good. You can go watch some of these highlights and you're just like, wow, what some great throws, including last year as well. He's got Terry McLaurin. We'll see Washington else. Maybe they add another receiver. Maybe Curtis Samuel plays this year. We'll see. They've got Antonio Gibson. They've, you know, they, they, they're going to get Logan Thomas back. They've got a pretty good offensive line, et cetera. Let's talk about the positives of what this could be. Instead, it's all about, uh, wait, what does happen here? What, why did two teams just unload on him? And it is un, unfortunate that that's kind of wrap. So, so to that end, let's talk some positives. Obviously, the, the Eagles made huge investment to get this guy as the second pick in the 2016 draft. And for the first few years, other than some injuries, it worked pretty well. He obviously was looking like that franchisee kind of quarterback. He was an MVP candidate. What was that? 2017? 2017, um, yes. 2017. And things were going well until they didn't. From the positive standpoint, what did you see about this guy coming in? You've covered him. You covered him his whole career in Philly. Yeah. What did you see that was working for him? in Philly and, and, and why, you know, it was looking like he was going to live up to the hype. Well, he can do almost everything you want a quarterback to do. I mean, he, he can make throws all over the field. He, he's got a strong arm. He's, you know, when he came out, he was 6'5", 237. His body's fluctuated since then. He added muscle one year, went leaner another year. So I, I can't tell you specifically what he is now, but, uh, you know, he, he, he has the, the body that, that you were looking for, he can really move. He's, he, was, he was an effective scrambler when he was with the Eagles. Obviously, injuries, I think, affected that as well. And the way he was playing in, in, in 2017, they don't win a Super Bowl in 2017 without Carson Wentz. And, and before he tore his ACL in Los Angeles uh, in, you know, in, in, in December that year, he was set to be the MVP of the league right, in his second year, right? Uh, and then even even before he had started a playoff game for the Eagles, they gave him a, a $128 million contract, right? So that, 
that speaks to you the way they thought about him. Um, they probably did a little too much for him in, in that they, they almost, for lack of a better term, catered to his every need, his desire request. He was the guy they were building the franchise around. And uh, it took a bad turn in the last year in, in Philly. Obviously, drafting Jalen Hurts affected him in an adverse way. Uh, and that's, that shouldn't have been the case. Right. Um, but it clearly did. There were changes on the coaching staff. I, I don't know how well he took to coaching. I I don't know how, how well he took to some of the changes in Philly. Uh, and there was a lot of baggage too, from the fact that they won the Super Bowl without him, right? Nick Foles was the Super Bowl MVP. Nick Foles was his backup quarterback. Carson was supposed to be the guy and it was Nick Foles. Um, and then the next year, Carson gets hurt again. Season's not looking good. Nick Foles is the one who brings them to the playoffs. Nick Foles is the one who they win a playoff game with in Chicago. So there was certainly baggage there. And the injuries, you can't blame Carson for the injuries. And, and he played through some bad injuries. Yeah, I mean, he he threw a touchdown with a torn ACL. He played through really a, a broken back in you know the year after that. Um, in 2019, he willed the Eagles to the postseason he gets a concussion in the first quarter against Seattle, right? He, he didn't, I mean, you, you can't necessarily hold that against him, but the fact that, that things of this nature kept happening, it, it, you know, it's, it's all part of that, that Carson Wentz story. And I I do think behind the scenes, um, I don't like to use the term high maintenance without me, like, like being there, but from what I have heard from, from what I had gathered, uh, yeah, there was a lot of catering, to Carson behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, you know, they, they always tell us as writers, you know, never read the comments uh, because, you know, there's going to be somebody in there who says, Oh, this is a stupid story or what are you writing or what a bad take or, or whatever. And I know for me, like, you know, there can be next thing said to me on Twitter, but somebody says some, you know, Joe fan 72 with an egg for an avatar says you're an idiot. And that will ruin my day if I let it. Right. I mean, that can I read every comment, man. That, those are the customers. Uh, no, you know, no, I, I, I want to know what they're thinking. So I, I agree. I, yeah. I, I actually do on the athletic. And to be honest, I, most people are, 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 are pretty good. I think people, if they're subscribing, they want to be part of something and they appreciate what we all do. But my point is just to say that when the negative stuff hits, when you see it, if you let that t- become the predominant thought in your head, it is easy to spiral. And that's just minor stuff. That's with people who I don't know who don't necessarily know the, what, what okay. we're doing, whatever. I can't imagine being a famous person who is out, who, who, who hears and sees his, his, his bosses, his colleagues, others in the industry saying these things about you that are of a negative nature over and over again and what that can do to somebody. And I don't know Carson Wentz at all. But like, that's got to suck to have to deal with that. But that said, this is the business that they've chosen to use the uh, term from my Godfather, Godfather okay. too. So it is the deal. And it's, it is jarring when you, I think for the most part, most of these people get it. Most of the time, I think they just don't even give a crap. <laughs> they're making tons of money. They're living a good life. They're pretty good at what they do relative to the overall population, all these things. But it does seem like from what you've reported, and I'm going to link out to some of your stories because you did a great job chronicling what went wrong in Philly. And then with, with Zach as well, Zach Kiefer as well, he clearly seems to have some issues. And the question, I guess, is 
can he get past that? Because by the way, he's coming to Washington. I don't know if you've heard this, Zach Berman. There's constant drama here. People are not sure. happy. They're already, the fan base is miserable. He's not coming into a, oh, we're all, yay, everything's great situation. So to me, this is a huge question. How is this guy going to handle this when he clearly seems to have had issues handling these issues somewhere uh, in other places? Yeah, and Chris Bauer, the Colts GM, he, he said that he spoke about that at the Combine when he was asked, what does Carson need to do better? Or it, it, it was on the topic of taking criticism. And Chris Bauer said a lot of the criticism about Carson has been fair, has been valid. And uh, that's pretty telling when, when a, a general manager says it, right? And I, th- I, I, I do think that is valid because when you're the franchise quarterback, um, good, bad, you're, you're, you're going to get a lot of credit. You're going to get a lot of blame. And how do you deal with that? And it was almost like in Philly, it was, it was never Carson's fault, right? It was always, it was, you know, uh, there was always something that, that, that needed to be done or, or, uh, and I, I think when two teams trade you, 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 you really need to look in the mirror. Right. And I, I understand in Philly, he asked for a trade, but the flip side of that is, is the Eagles eventually moved him. You know, you know, the, uh, the Eagles didn't say, uh, yeah, the, uh, the Eagles at, at, at the end of the day were, were willing to move them. They, and they did it reluctantly, but they, they considered the, the range of outcomes and they acknowledged that there was a chance that it, 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 it wouldn't get better for Carson. And uh, it, it did get better for the Eagles. So yeah, I, I, I can't speak for Carson. And, and I, I need to say, I, I never had any issues with him personally. You know, I, I, I spoke to him about um, things professionally. I spoke to him about things personally and, I, I found him to be a, you know, a solid guy. And um, I've spoken to, to a lot of his teammates who thought the same thing, but, but um, that role as, 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 as quarterback, there are a lot of responsibilities that, that come with it. And, uh, and I'm, I'm fascinated to see what happens with Carson in the third act here. The, the, the and just to sort of put a finer point on this uh, notion of, dealing with criticism or team chemistry issues or whatever it is. And then I know, you, like you're saying, you weren't in Indy, so you can't necessarily speak to that. But in just general sense, are we talking about like, because I've had people ask me this, are we talking about issues with he doesn't connect with his teammate? He doesn't just deal well with the people above him trying to tell him what he needs to work on and fix? Like, what's the sort of the basic crux of this of this notion of there's some sort of a chemistry issue going on with him? Sure. This is the best way I can explain it, and, and Carson would tell you this. He's a he's a, he's a very Type A personality. That's the term he would use. Okay, um, when you, so I I would say when you're winning, that comes off as exacting, right? Very precise. When you're losing, uh, or when things aren't going your way, it's it's difficult to deal with. Uh, so in, in certain respects, it's it's how you frame it. But what I can tell you is is that things had to be done his way, right? In the locker room um, with, you know, the, whether it's the play calling, the coaching, whatever it may be, it, it's, you know, Carson's not, it, it, he, from my understanding in Philly, he wasn't one of those guys who it was, it was going to meet you in the middle. It was, it was, you were going to meet Carson. You were going to do it Carson's way. And uh, there was an expectation for, you know, 
as as far as outreach in the in the locker room. That's something I, I think he realized as time went on, he had to get better at. And from my understanding, he tried later on, you know, 2019, 2020, because it, it was an issue early in his Eagles career. Uh, but he's he's very exacting and and he likes things done a certain way. And it's it's the way he wants them done, from my understanding. All right. Well, I mean, this is now Ron Rivera's uh concern and scott turner their offensive coordinator as well if they came to you and said zach uh you 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 know you studied carson wentz the player you around him as the person give us some thoughts what do we need to do here in washington to maximize this situation from let's just start with sort of like a play calling type of offense if we're really going to build around him what do we need to do here in washington good question um i would try to and it's hard for me to to answer this in a way that like frank reich who who knows him exceedingly well who's coached him coached him at his best had him last year and still traded him away right Right. so like frank reich knew what to do with him um i you know the you you hear the term hero ball i think that is uh i think that's 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 a, a relevant conversation there's too much hero ball there um Chris Bauer had the had the line about making your layups, taking your layups. That's applicable, right? Have you know he he needs to take the layups when they're there. Okay, um, he needs to be willing to live with second and four. I would say, um, I I I can't tell you what he's like as uh, as a in, in in terms of his mobility now, but I would incorporate his mobility if I can. I would take advantage of his mind, but I, I would, you know, you, you need to hold him accountable for the mistakes that he makes. And uh, this, this, I, this notion of the Carson Wentz experience, well, you know, you're, you're going to live with some of these foolish turnovers because he can make the spectacular play. I would say, no, you don't live with that anymore. Right. It's, it's his, you know, he's, he doesn't have the status of the franchise quarterback that he might've had earlier on in Philly, right? You can't accept the turnovers. You can't accept the bad incompletions. Um, so that's something I, I, I would really say the layups. Now the flip side to that is he can make such outstanding throws. Um, and he can make plays there where you, where you say there are only a few people in the world who can play quarterback at that level. And I should also add for, the sake of a conversation with you and the converse and a conversation with your listeners here, the best win that I saw Carson Wentz have in my uh, five years covering him. Okay. Uh, was um, a Thursday night week six against Carolina in 2017 when Ron Rivera was the coach on the other sideline, the Panthers were absolutely rolling that year. They should have had the advantage. The Eagles were missing Lane Johnson at, at right tackle. They were down a few key players um, you know, Cam Newton was playing at a real high level at the time. That Panthers D was 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 hot, and Carson comes in and was just awesome. Like he was awesome that night, and it wouldn't surprise me if Ron Rivera and Scott Turner and some of these other coaches who were on that Panther staff still have that game in their minds. Because when when you saw Carson Wentz play in 2017, you were like, "This is this is a young Ben Roethlisberger." Like 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 this is. He has some farve in him, right? Like you can talk about Hall of Fame caliber quarterbacks that he was just physically imposing, making great throws, 
um, leading the team. And, uh, and so I hate to say channel the 2017 Carson Wentz because one of the criticisms that I've had of the Eagles in, in recent years is they have to let go of the Super Bowl year, right? But uh, I, I think whenever you acquire Carson Wentz, you're trying to get him back to what he was in 2017. All right. You just give me some homework assignment. I got to go, go back and watch uh, week six, 2017 against Carolina, which would be kind of fun anyway, since it's a Ron Rivera game. Um, let me ask you this then let's talk personnel to help him out. They Washington has Terry McLaurin, one of the better receivers in the league. Antonio Gibson has been uh, a productive running back. They've got a pretty solid offensive line, even though they're probably going to lose Brandon Scherf. Um, but they also have Logan Thomas coming off an ACL tear. J.D. McKissick is a free agent. So, and this, the the Curtis Samuel obviously basically didn't play last year. And they have a uncertainty at the other outside receiver. So, based on what you know of Carson Wentz, as, Wash, as we're here heading into free agency and the draft looming, what are the things that you would say to Washington that they should address uh, to help uh, Carson Wentz out? Yeah, so, I, I mean... A quarterback's best friend is, is always the offensive line. And he had a great offensive line in Carolina. Um, I'm sorry, in, in Indianapolis. And for most of his time in Philly, outside of injuries, he had a great offensive line. Uh, so obviously, you know, strong offensive line. But in terms of the skill players, tight ends have always been a big part of his game. And him and Zach Ertz had such a good connection. Uh, and, you know, I, I know Logan Thomas is a really talented tight end. Uh, but, but coming off major injury there, that's a position that I, I would really look at. Um, he can take advantage. He can, he can throw the ball over the top. And you saw that um, in his year when Deshaun Jackson, when Deshaun Jackson was healthy with the Eagles in 2019, it added a different dimension to the offense. When Torrey Smith played for the Eagles, it added a different dimension to the offense. And when he didn't have that deep threat, it changed things quite a bit. Um, so I, I, I think a guy who can get open downfield and, and, and Terry McLaurin can obviously, uh, that's, that's really important. So, yeah. So I, I think knowing it, you know, in, in knowing the way he's played a tight end who he can get the ball to when, the, when he, when he knows he's there and a deep threat downfield, those are two things that will particularly help him out. Okay. Um, l- let me ask you this. So the draft will, will deal for agency first, then there's the draft and there, everybody was giving Washington a quarterback in the mock draft in the first round, the number 11 pick. I suspect future mock drafts may not have that, but, Carson Wentz is a huge question mark. His contract is not has no guaranteed money after this year. So if Washington is the third team in a row after one year to say we're out, they could do so without issue, unlike the, the last two teams, which gives some opening to say, well, maybe they should still draft a quarterback. I disagree with that because you're already taking a huge gamble on Wentz, and this draft class is not considered to be that exciting. But furthermore, you brought this up before the Jalen Hurts thing. Yeah, It seems to me that would be nuts to then draft a quarterback to immediately put somebody behind Carson Wentz that he's going to be like, wait, what is perhaps what is going on here? So based on your experiences or what do you just kind of make of that just in general? Like like I said, I'm saying you just invested in this guy. You don't want him to be a one and done. You're kind of hoping he works it out and you have him under contract the next couple of years. That's the ideal path. You just made this investment to me. That's why I wouldn't draft one, at least not in the first round, maybe not even the second, but at least not the first. But then there's the other, the Jalen Hurts part. What would you just say to about that from like a roster building standpoint and also knowing this quarterback? It didn't work well in Philly. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I mean, look, guy's mature. He's in a different spot in his career than he was in Philly. Um, but just on my experience, it didn't work well in Philly. 
And uh, I'd be careful about doing that in Indianapolis. Um, but the flip side of that is, is you can say, look, Carson, right? We don't owe you anything other than that, then we're, we're giving you the chance to be the quarterback. But, um, you know, you're, you're not the Carson Wentz from, from, from Philadelphia who the organization was built around. Uh, that's, that's, that's not who you are anymore. So uh, I, I, you know, it's certainly plausible. I mean, I, I, you would know what Washington did better than me, uh, or, or I'm sorry, what Washington will do better than me, but I wouldn't recommend it based on the experience in Philly. Um, l- last, last thing on, on this Wentz stuff, and then I'll just maybe just pick your brain quickly on what Philly might do. Uh, the, I've been thinking for weeks <laughs> about what they might do at quarterback starting with the Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson dismissed that at every turn that there was no way those guys would come here for whatever the reason focus a lot on the draft. Then there was the Jimmy Garoppolo, Mitch Trubisky level Carson Wentz fits in there. I honestly never really considered him, even when it felt like the Colts would be getting rid of him for one specific reason, I would say, and here's what it is. I want to read you this quote from Ron Rivera last year. And you tell me if this sounds like a coach who's about to acquire Carson Wentz. He's asked in 2021 ahead of that offseason before they signed Ryan Fitzpatrick what he's looking for in a quarterback. Quote, the biggest thing for us is leadership. On the field, in the clubhouse, out in public. The guy has to set the example for the team, and he's got to be the complete leader. It goes on from there about, like, he's got to be able to pick up the system and things like that. But that's the the gist of the quote. And like I said, I am not. I don't think we're trying to paint Carson Wentz as like a bad guy, but something seems to be off and Ron Rivera had Alex Smith, who is by everybody's measure, the definition of a leader that Ryan Fitzpatrick for all the Fitz magic, goofy stuff. He's a guy that clearly c- commands the respect of the locker room, Taylor Heineke, whatever. He's not the tallest guy. The players love playing with Taylor Heineke. It doesn't sound though, like this is Carson Wentz, but you tell me, does that quote read like a coach who one year later is going to acquire Carson Wentz? Not necessarily, but you can talk yourself into it. Number one. And, and number two, I would say, what other options did you have? Right. You, you know, I right. mean, for, for as much as Carson Wentz is getting killed this week uh, and I, I get it. He's become a, a bit of a punching bag. Once you're not getting Russell Wilson, and if you're not going to trade for Deshaun Watson uh, it, it's, I mean, it's conceivable to say Carson's one of your better options out there. Right. Yeah. You can, I mean, we can quibble about Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, you can you can talk yourself into some of the you know the rookies in this in this draft class. I'd rather have Carson Wentz than Mitchell Trubisky. You know, I, I mean, yeah. any day of the week, right? And 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 uh, and so Carson's like I I I talked to my colleague Shil Kapadia, our colleague Shil Kapadia, but I, I did the Birds of Friends podcast with him, and he talks about um, you know don't fall in love with with like competent quarterback play. Like you can get competent quarterback play. Um, but Carson, if everything clicks with Carson, he's more than it's more than competent. Like, and uh, I said this last year when the Eagles traded him that I thought there was a chance they could regret the trade because when everything goes right for Carson, he's the kind of quarterback you're trying to find. Um, and so that description that Ron Rivera said, given the way it's ended the past two places, I would say, no, that doesn't fit it. But then if, you know, I, I always think, all right, if I'm sitting in the room, don't just tell me what, what I shouldn't do. Tell me what I should do. All right. That's, that's the argument I have. So if Ron Rivera says, Zach, like, all right, you're telling me not to trade for Carson. Who should we trade for? Who should we have a quarterback? I would say 
you know, are you going to sign? I, I, I suppose sign Teddy Bridgewater for one year, 12 million, but then you're kind of back in the same situation. Right. So, and they just it, did this, this past year, obviously Fitzpatrick got hurt, but it just didn't, you know, exactly. So, so given who's out there, I get it. You're, you're going to try to talk yourself into, you can fix the intangibles uh, because there's, there's talent there for you to build. Yeah, for, for sure. I mean, right now, if things if the good version of Carson Wentz is top half quarterback in the conference. And he's, you know, yeah. And in and, and a year in which Russell Wilson now is in the AFC, Tom Brady retired. There's a big gap at quarterback after the top four guys or so. You could sort of talk yourself into the next few. And if the, a, a good version of Carson Wentz is there. Um, speaking of that, quarterbacks, and then I'll let you go. So Washington made a big play to get Russell Wilson. Obviously, that didn't work out. My sense is the Eagles, at least to some degree, we're, we're interested, and obviously they have a bunch of first-round picks. Um, Deshaun Watson is still the big prize. I, Washington, I guess, obviously decided to, to move on. I think the worst case for Washington fans would be if your team is the one that lands Deshaun Watson. Uh, you've got the Eagles have three first-round picks this year. It seems like they've been willing to be aggressive. Um, you know, I, I read some of your stories, and like part of what uh, Howie Roseman has talked about is wanting Philadelphia to be known as a quarterback centric kind of a setup what do you think do you think that how how if Deshaun and we may hear something today we're talking on Friday about Deshaun Watson's legal status uh what do you think about Deshaun Watson is he or or just what in general do you think Philly still may take a big swing if, if he's available or someone else's yeah so well first off when you when you talk about when you talk about Deshaun Watson there's a variable here that I, I simply can't account for like I I don't know what's what's going to happen legally and and what he's been accused of I mean, those are serious allegations that uh, that uh, you know the conversations moot if 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 those prove to be true, right? You know, and yeah. and so um, I, I I don't want to speak about it so uh, casually, but uh, if if he is cleared and 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 he is playing football, uh, the thing to keep in mind here, similar to the Russell Wilson situation, is is he has the full no trade clause, and so he can dictate where he wants to go and. That could be an, an obstacle. Um, it would be irresponsible for the Eagles not to uh, at, at least examine it and see what the price is because Deshaun Watson is is one of the best quarterbacks alive right now, right? But um, I think that 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 uh, there's a strong probability that Jalen Hurts is the Eagles' starting quarterback next season. That they they continue to build around him. And they see where they are in a year. And if Jalen Hurts makes the necessary strides and he's the quarterback, then, then, then you've built the infrastructure around him with these draft picks and, and with this cap space. And uh, if they seek to replace him next year, then they've spent, they've spent a year building around him and there are more attractive situations similar to what, say, Denver was this year. Um, so I, I, I think that uh, the most likely outcome is that Hurts is the starting quarterback. Uh, and... If there wasn't a no trade clause there, perhaps the conversation is different. But there are teams, whether you're looking at Carolina, whether you're looking at Seattle, um, potentially Tampa Bay, well, I, I should say Tampa Bay, potentially Minnesota, right? There are, are, are teams out there that could be in the quarterback market or are in the quarterback market where, you know, that no trade clause, I, I, I think, could be a factor relative to Philadelphia. And just lastly, obviously, the Eagles made the playoffs last year. They sort of were last year's Washington from the year before, taking the bad schedule, winning with it. And 
Well, the Eagles had a, had a uh, winning record. We, we, we should distinguish that, right? Washington <laughs> made the playoffs. Fair, fair, fair yeah. enough. Uh, there was this momentum for Washington at the end of the year yeah. because of the way they finished and, you know, the young players on defense, all that. But, yes, the Eagles yeah. had a winning record. But also they didn't beat a team with a winning record, right? Or they didn't Absolutely. beat a playoff team. Or they didn't beat a playoff team. Yeah, right. they didn't beat a playoff team. So, so that said, they do have three first-round picks, whether they in the quarterback business or not. They have an opportunity to make a big splash. How much do you buy them being a – playoff team like in the sense of being truly one of the better teams or is it a little more smoke and mirrors but they have some opportunities to to really take some strides a little bit of both right like i i don't i don't think they should come off last year saying all right you know we're a playoff team and we're ready to take the next step right this is they're still building they still need to be disciplined in it they must improve their pass rush that that should be the offseason priority for them and when you look at the fact that this is a loaded draft class and in terms of edge rushers they're going to have an opportunity to, to do so they have three unrestricted free agents who were starters in their secondary so there's going to be changes in their secondary they're always looking for a linebacker every year they can use a little more help at wide receiver whether they tell you that or not so there's there's some spots to fill in both free agency and the draft I think one thing you'll you'll see them doing in the draft is be particularly nimble. Um, I can see them moving back and trying to add picks in 2023. So they're again in the driver's seat next year, in particular, if they're looking for a, for a quarterback, if they can trade back from 16 into the twenties and add a second round pick next year in the process, uh, or, you know, then I, I think that's something they would look to do. They have 10 picks this year. Um, they, they have four picks in the top 51, five picks in the top, you know, 90 or, or so. Uh, so I, I certainly think that, that they're going to add town in the draft, but also try to add picks next season. He is at Z berm on Twitter. Uh, look, I mean, I would highly recommend go, go look through Zach's archives on his stuff on Carson Wentz. I'll, I'll, I'll put some stuff um, out on, on Twitter and, and in it probably link it to this podcast as well. Some really good stuff behind the scenes as to what, what happened there and uh, you know, an excellent follow on Twitter who I'm sure will be paying close attention to Carson Wentz's next journey here in Washington. Also, if, if you want to find out when it worked well for Carson, right. Well, like what they loved about him. Um, there's a book over my shoulder here. We can't see it cause we're on video, but oh, I'm sorry, because this is audio, but underdogs, the fellow Eagles emotional road to Super Bowl victory. There's uh, an entire chapter in that book on the pursuit of, of, of Carson Wentz and like why, why they went after Carson and, and some details in there, like, uh, you know, where Carson ate dinner before the draft and, and uh, details of, of the Eagles taking him out to eat that night and their, and, and their meeting with him in Fargo, things like that, that, uh, you know, I, I think if you want to know the good time of, of Carson once that book chronicled the good time, it got bad after that. Uh, fair enough like i said it's uh, i think everybody wants things to work out it's yeah. just everything around here it's the immediate thought is oh no what's gonna go wrong now sure. and this guy comes with some questions but no questions about zach he's great at what he does zach i appreciate the time man we'll talk soon absolutely sounds good thanks ben